Chapter 22 of The Mystery of the Chinese Ring by Andy Adams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 22 Hong Kong and Points East. The party moved swiftly through the night. The grandson never hesitated. He knew every bend and turn in the path. Suddenly he stopped. We must rest a few minutes, he said. Honourable Grandfather is old. He cannot stand this pace. But we've got to keep going, Biff insisted. I saw four men leave the fire and come after us. Fear not, my friend. I think I know who they are. But stay here. I'll go back down the path and make certain, the cook said. The grandson vanished in the night. Biff felt sure that any moment the party would be jumped by pursuing guards. Then he heard voices. The grandson came back, followed by four men. My brothers and cousins, the grandson said. They are more grandsons of the old lord. One of them is brother to your friend, Ling Tang. Muscles stepped into the group. Sure, I know these guys. They're okay. These are real members of the House of Quang. I made that double-crosser Chan Li take me to them. We worked out the whole escape. This fellow, Muscles pointed to the grandson's servant, he started the whole thing, set the kitchen on fire. Then he grabbed the keys and led me to your room. The others stayed back to watch the guards, held some of them back all right. Must have been more than twenty on duty. We can go on now, the grandson said quietly. The ancient one has rested. Two grandsons came to the side of the old man, each placed a supporting arm around his waist. The party continued on its way. Except for short, regular rest periods, they kept going all night. As dawn broke, the party stopped for a lengthier rest. All were near exhaustion from the excitement and the steady pace they had kept up. The old one slept like a baby, held in the arms of one of his grandsons. They rested most of the morning, it was far safer to travel at night. On the second day, as they reached a safer distance from Jaraminka, they continued toward the plateau where Jack Hudson was to pick them up. In turn, the grandsons went ahead to make certain no one was lying in wait for them. Biff, are we anywhere near the spot where you saw all that construction? Uncle Charlie asked. We should be, Biff replied. We should be nearing the valley soon. What do you think, Chuba? And you, Muscles? Chuba think we reach it right over next hill. I'll trust Chuba's judgment, Muscles chimed in. Chuba was right. The valley was over the next hill. They had reached it at a point below where it rose steeply to the metal fence. The rest of you wait here, Charles Keene ordered. I'll make a quick trip for a fast look-see. And I'm with you, Biff said quickly. His uncle gave him a look, hesitated for a moment, but apparently decided not to protest. But Charlie, Muscle started to say, no buts about it. Come on, Biff. Uncle and nephew climbed the slope. Biff found the opening in the fence. They crawled underneath and reached the rim of the huge amphitheatre. Uncle Charlie stared down at the activity for minutes. He took in every detail, storing the information in his mind. A nodded signal told Biff they were going back. 
Once down on the floor of the valley, Biff asked his uncle what he thought the construction was. I'm almost certain, Biff, that they're building a rocket launching site. Like Cape Canaveral? His uncle nodded his head. I was at Canaveral at its beginning, saw the place grow. That work back up there is much the same type of construction. Still in its earliest stages, somewhat crude. Be a long time before they can try a moonshot, or any other kind. Is knowing about this important? Important? You just bet it is. News of this development is vital. It's the biggest, most important information Uncle Sam has had out of China in years. You really found something, Biff. Shortly after noon on the second day since their escape, the party reached the plateau where Muscles had been landed by Jack Hudson. This is it, Muscles said. If Jack gets my signal, we'll be away and winging back by dark. Here, Chuba, take the end of this wire and scamper up that tree. Attach it to the highest limb you can reach. The antenna was connected to the portable transmitter. The tree's height increased the distance of transmission possible. Ground transmission would have limited the signal. All is okay, Muscles, Chuba called down. Muscles picked up the hand mic. He snapped on a button. A slight hum could be heard. Muscles turned to the anxiously waiting group. Let's hope I get through. I can't repeat my signal more than once. It may be picked up by the enemy. He grinned at them. Well, here goes. Muscles held the mic close to his mouth. There's gold in these higher hills. He waited ten seconds, repeating. There's gold in these higher hills. He snapped off the transmitter. That was our prearranged signal. It tells Jack Hudson that I've found you and that we're all set to come out. If he got my signal, he's on his way to the plane right now, I hope. I hope. I hope. It's been on the runway, warmed up around the clock, ever since he got back. Well, we'll know in about two hours, Uncle Charlie said. Jack did get the signal. Almost exactly two hours after Muscle's signal, the faint hum of a plane was heard. It grew louder and then came into sight. It winged in on the prayers of the whole group, the most welcome sight Biff had ever seen. Farewells were short. The moment the plane touched down, the Ancient One was put aboard. The others followed fast. The last Biff saw of the Ancient One's grandsons was a picture he would keep in his heart and mind forever. The five grandsons stood in a line, facing in the direction of the departing plane. All were bowing deeply to show their gratitude. No one really relaxed until the plane crossed the border, but they reached Anheo with no trouble. Jack Hudson taxied the plane to a neat stop and whistled in relief. Phew! Then briskly he turned to the group. We're going to refuel and take right off again, he announced. What's the hurry, Jack? Charlie asked. How's about letting me have a bath? Man, do you know how hot you and Biff have become since you went inside? There have been spies all over the camp. You and Biff aren't even to get out of this plane. Biff's things and yours are all packed. I've got them in the luggage compartment. Soon as this crate is refueled, it's off for Hong Kong. 
You can dunk the body there. But what about you, Jack? Oh, they don't want me. It's you two got the information they want to keep from getting out. I don't know what you know, and I don't want to. They don't know I've crossed into the big sea. Biff looked at Chuba. Unashamed tears filled the native boy's eyes. Biff choked up. Don't worry, Chuba, we'll meet again, he said and meant it. Muscles ruffled Chuba's dark hair and said, Chum, next year you and I go stateside and we'll visit this character. Muscles gave Biff an affectionate punch on the chin. See you soon, he said, as he and Chuba left the plane. They made Hong Kong safely. Biff and his uncle found a U.S. military policeman who took them to the consulate. There they reported their discovery to an amazed official. You have performed a great service for your country, the embassy official said solemnly, and added with a faint smile, although you should have your passports taken away for such a foolhardy venture. I know you're right, sir, Charles Keane said, but I would like to ask a favour of you. Can you get us out of Hong Kong? So fast it will make your head swim. Diplomatically speaking, we don't want you around here. There's a jet bomber taking off for Honolulu in an hour. You'll be on it. From there, you're on your own. Two hours later, Biff and his uncle were winging over the blue Pacific, homeward bound, and sound asleep. End of chapter 22 End of the Mystery of the Chinese Ring by Andy Adams